0: On today's show, Jabari Smith Jr. with the best flowing offensive game so far in Vegas Summer League, plus the Rockets defense struggling without him out there on the floor, plus concerns over Dacian Nix's free throw shooting, as well as what Tari Eason and Ty Ty Washington just did in this most recent Summer League game. All that and more coming up right here at Lockdown Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. you get getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on that shoulder. Somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as the founder of ClutchCityControlRoom.com. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. On today's show. I'm going to break down the most recent Summer League game for the Houston Rockets against the Portland Trailblazers. Unfortunately, the Rockets falling. Final score, 85-77. to This was a game the Rockets came out of the gate strong in this game. We're going to talk about Jabari Smith Jr.'s impressive offensive performance, probably the best flowing offensive game for Jabari Smith so far in Summer League. His impact on the defensive side of this game, how the Rockets kind of cratered without him on the floor defensively. What Tari Eason and Ty Ty Washington looked like in this game. Dacia Nix and his struggles shooting from the free throw line. Also the wacky commentating in this game. We're going to talk about all of it. Um, got to say, appreciate you making LOR your first listen each and every day. We do sincerely appreciate you for that. Uh, we got to start with Jabari though. Um, because I think that this game was truly his best, most impressive offensive summer league game. Because we saw him really flowing well offensively in this one. And when I say flowing well, I mean he he didn't look rigid, right? He was putting the ball on the floor. He was doing things that we weren't really expecting him to be able to do. And we saw a we saw a little bit of that in games 1 and 2, right? In game 3, it really felt like we saw him kind of kind of meld into that role that we're kind of expecting him to fulfill with this Rockets team. You know, a little bit less, I don't want to say less involved offensively, but not doing as as many of the things as we saw him do in this game offensively. But his stat line, the way that he finished the night, 19 points, 10 boards, 2 assists, 1 block, 7 of 13 shooting, shout out seven one three, seven 7 of 13 shooting, 0 of 5 from behind the arc. So the three-point shooting, again, I don't want to make too much of it right now, although there have been some comparisons. The fact that his shot does look a little bit flatter right now than it did while he was at Auburn. Maybe there's some, you know, slight concerns about the distance of the NBA three compared to the college three pointer. All that. They've got an entire summer to work on this. I'm not worried about the three point shooting. He's got the form down. He's got the consistency. There's enough of a sample size previously to not be truly worried about his three-point shooting. There were some times where it looked like he kind of rushed some of the threes that he was taking. So I'm not too pressed about it right now. But what I am impressed by was his ability to put the ball on the floor in this game and A, get to the free throw line, B, create for his teammates, and C, create for himself. And we saw him do all three of those things in this game. And I've got the examples lined up that I really wanted to focus on from this game. And first, early in the game, he had a drive, he was on the right wing, drove the ball in, right? A couple of strong dribbles to the rim, and then kicks it out to the to the left wing, to Trey Mitchell, who then swung it to the corner, and Dacian Nix got a wide open three-pointer. So, or I apologize. Tyty Ty Washington got a wide open three pointer. It wasn't Dacian Nix. So, that type of play, right? Like you know, the idea that Jabari Smith cannot handle the basketball is is so overblown, right? And this is this kind of becomes one of the issues when you go through the whole pre-draft process and you're highlighting the strengths and weaknesses of these top prospects. The weaknesses get really blown out of proportion. And I think with Jabari, it, this idea has kind of ingrained itself amongst. NBA fans and even some Rockets fans that he cannot handle the basketball at all, right? That he just can't put the ball on the floor, that he is a liability the moment the ball starts bouncing. No, that's not the case whatsoever. Does this handle need work? Absolutely. But he's got an effective handle right now when he's in the half court, when he's attacking off the catch, it looks good. Like he can get to the spots that he wants to get to and he's capable of doing what he wants to do with the basketball. And when you're 6'10", 6'11", and you can shoot over everybody and you can pass over the top of everybody... That's all that matters. So he had that play where he created the the corner three point look by driving in strong from the right wing. Love that. He had the touchdown pass sedation to Knicks right. He ripped the rebound, got the defensive board out of the air, took a couple dribbles, and I've already highlighted this before in an earlier episode. But he does an amazing job of looking up and surveying the floor for that outlet pass opportunity. Right. I don't I don't know which coach really hammered that into him. I don't know where he picked that up. But so many big men have a tendency to get the rebound and they're just looking for a guard to give it to immediately, right? They're like, get the ball out of my hands. I don't want this, right? Jabari gets the rebound and then immediately looks down the floor to see who's out there. And he took a couple dribbles and then whipped a one-handed pass out to Dacian Nix for a touchdown layup. Like that was, I didn't think that that was in his bag. And yet here he is throwing out one-handed outlet passes down the length of the court to get easy opportunities for his team. Great opportunity there that he capitalized on. And then the two that really stood out, and these were the ones that were were so impressive. He had one where he had the handle and the drive and finish, right? He got a block on one end. So he got he picked up the block on the defensive end, got down to the other end, got the ball at the top of the key, did, you know, a little handle, little dribble hesitation move, and then drove the ball in, got in strong into the defender with his left shoulder and was able to power up and through the contact and you know, kiss the ball off the backboard, you know, for two. That was a really impressive move, right? Handling the contact, creating his own shot, right? Going off the catch. And this wasn't even really like, it wasn't like a he's on the three-point line and he's attacking off the catch. It was, he got the ball, he was in triple threat, Opted to go to a couple moves and then was able to beat his defender off the dribble that way right like attacking off the catch is one thing Attacking out of isolation like that at the top of the key and being able to create something for himself That was entirely impressive and then the final one that was this was like the Chef's kiss on the game even though the game was kind of already gone by this point It was still an impressive move at the very end of the game Jabari had a move where he drove the ball in spun at the free throw line and then elevated and basically almost like just dropped the ball into the basket, like to have that level of coordination to make the spin move to elevate then over his defender and then to just lay the ball into the basket. Because again, he's got that, you know, six foot 11 frame, the insane wingspan to be able to just drop the ball into the cup. I'm not saying he's Like, it looked Giannis-esque the way that he made the move, right? I'm not saying he's going to be Giannis. I'm not, right? That's not the comparison that I'm making here. That move in a vacuum, though, looked Giannis-esque, right? The spin, the finish, all of it. So for Jabari to have that level of self-creation and playmaking on display for his teammates, the opportunities that he was generating offensively for his team, Out of this world, right? Because we're not really expecting that at this point. At this point, to see him be able to put the basketball on the floor. And then to not only mention, right... Uh, He went five of seven at the free throw line, so he drew a lot of fouls in other situations other than the ones that I named, right, the four specific examples that I wanted to run through there offensively. He had other opportunities where he was putting the ball on the floor and, you know, had the rip through move and was creating opportunities where he was getting to the free throw line. So for Jabari to be able to have aspects of his game that are, are even more than what the Rockets are kind of expecting out of him right now. That's great. And Steven Silas did a sideline interview during the game with the just terrible announcing duo. We're going to talk about them in segment three. Um, And we're going to talk about hummus because that's what we taught. That's what we're focused on during this game. We're talking about hummus and all sorts of other wild stuff during this game. No, but Steven Silas did, you know, the little courtside interview with the announcing crew. And at one point, uh, Sam Mitchell, uh, shout out former Rocket Sam Mitchell, was you know saying you know what's the one thing that you want to focus you know have Jabari focus on that way he's not trying to focus on on everything all at once and Steven Silas just kind of bodied Sam Mitchell in that interview he was like well I don't want to put him into a box like I thought that was hilarious but that you know it's it's true right let Jabari flourish and do the things that he's good at but allow him the opportunities to experiment and to try and get better at the things that he's you know not necessarily not necessarily known for right That's how he's going to become a well-rounded player, a player who is capable of much more than what we kind of envisioned for him at the jump. So I walk away thinking this was his best offensive game because he really had a variety of different things on display in this game. Didn't hit the three ball, right? That's the one hang-up on this game for me is he didn't hit that three ball. If he had sunk even just one or two threes, then this would have been his best arguably his best all around summer game. Can't give him that one. I will say it was his best offensive game, or at least his most impressive offensive game so far out of the four that he's played. But coming up, I wanna talk about the defensive side of this game for the Houston Rockets. The defense kind of cratered a little bit when Jabari Smith wasn't on the floor. We'll talk about Tari Eason, Ty Ty Washington, we'll get some Dacian Knicks, all of that coming up in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online, Because look, when it comes to Bet Online. It's your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's uh, Major League Baseball season. They've got you for all the fighting odds, UFC, MMA, boxing, you name it. They've got you for fighting odds over at BetOnline. They've even got you for golf, right? If they have it, if it's a sport, they have you covered over at BetOnline. It's your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, scores, and more. And right now, You can even take a look at who the odds on favorites are for next year's NBA championship odds. Right now, the Milwaukee Bucks, the favorites at plus 600. You got the Boston Celtics at plus 625. In third place, the Golden State Warriors, not favorites to repeat, at least not right now, at plus 650. And then you got the L.A. Clippers at plus 700 and the Phoenix Suns down at plus 750. John Wall's new home, the L.A. Clippers, right? So... For all those odds and more, head to their website today to learn more about the trends in action available to you. Bet online, it's where the game starts. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast, home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. So a little bit of the game flow in this one, right? The, the Rockets, I mean, they they roared out to a strong start in this game. Uh, they went out to a 28 to 14 lead in that first quarter. It really felt like they were going to have one of those like runaway summer league victories where you're just like doing laps around the opposing team. And they kind of let off the gas a little bit there in that second quarter. And that was the first stint where when Jabari was on the bench, it felt like Portland really started to make a run, kind of get themselves back into the game a little bit. And then the Blazers carried that run over into that third quarter. They managed to outscore the Rockets 22 to 13 in the second frame. And then 27 to 13 in the third quarter. Uh, You know, the Rockets kind of, they at one point I was looking at the plus minus right and they basically played the Blazers dead even when Jabari was on the floor but they were minus 11 when he was off the floor and I was like come on like this is you know not not great unfortunately so Rockets defense kind of plummeted a little bit when Jabari was off the floor and they were in this game right it was like Tail of the game, it was like 69 to 65, and the Rockets were very much in this game with all of their starters back on the floor. Jabari was out there, Tari was out there. They had a chance to be back into this one, but they also didn't do themselves any favors, right? The defensive side of things, they kind of let go of the rope a little bit, especially in the minutes where Jabari was on the bench, but then offensively, they had a lot of a lot of bunnies that they missed, especially Tari Eason. Unfortunately, uh, Tari, who finished the game with 17 points on seven of 19 shooting, 0 of 2 from three, it was three of four at the charity stripe. Had seven boards, one assist, three steals, and two blocks. Right, he was still very active on the defensive end, right on an individual level, but offensively. Seven of ten, seven of seventeen from inside the arc, and missed probably about four or five. Like just give me that layups, right? Where just complete bunnies, and even Tari's mom was even on Twitter afterwards. There was the one where Tari had a great read right before the half. Right, the Blazers are winding down the clock. Tari had this great read where they're, you know, they get into the pick and roll action, and the ball handler tries to whip the pass to the other side of the court. Tari. Saw it coming a mile away, tipped the pass, got out on the open floor and Tried to, you know, go up for a layup in transition and got fouled, right? So got sent to the free throw line. And Tari's mom was on Twitter after the game saying, like, he should have dunked that, like, just so it's it's one, you know, moments like that are going to be great throughout the season. Watching her kind of react to uh, social media, you know, or I guess react to the game on social media, it's going to be great to see uh, just those those very genuine uh, motherly reactions. But yeah, there were there were opportunities where. Tari should have been maybe a bit more aggressive, and I do think that's an area that I want to talk about here in a moment about him specifically, um, his aggression level and how he looked as the game went on. But the Rockets were very much in this game, right? They could could have won this game. They didn't do themselves any favors because, again, they had the easy opportunities right at the rim that they missed, and they shot only 18% from three, right? Like 7 of 38 overall shooting. It's not going to win you a ton of games, Summer League or or G League or NBA level playoffs, right? You shoot 18% from three. You're going to struggle to win at any level. And for this Rockets team, right, even though defensively I think they had some lapses in this game, especially without Jabari on the floor, had they shot even a semi-respectable percentage from three, we're talking about a Rockets win instead of them being two and two in Summer League and losing to the Summer League Blazers who don't even have Shaden Sharp out there playing for them. So... Kind of disappointing in that respect. But I do want to talk about Tari Eason, who who continues to be, you know, very energetic on the floor, very aggressive on the floor. But one thing, right, that stood out is he does look like he's wearing down rather quickly on the floor, right? And I think that's a part of just the speed of the game, the pace of play, all of that, he is very much a high motor, high energy, you know, all gas, no brakes, at all times guy on the floor. And I think you're seeing that kind of wear on him, right? Especially as the game goes on, he doesn't have the same the same oomph in his game, right? The same, I'm going to go up and I'm going to yam it and, and, you know, dunk and throw my elbow into the rim type type mentality as the game's going on because he's trying to figure out how to conserve energy throughout the game, right? You cannot, there are, there are very few players in the league who can go 110 miles an hour at all times and not be gassed by the end of the game, right? And and even some of the ones that can do that, right, they do get gassed by the end of the game. So I do think that with Tari, it's gonna be really important for him to learn, and, and, and Coach Higgins basically explained this after game one, right? He said he had so much energy in the game that he had no energy at the end of the game. Like that's how Tari plays, right? He's out there hustling constantly every minute that he's on the floor, And that level of go, go, go at all times can be incredibly draining for you from a physical standpoint to where you just don't have the gas to keep going, especially at the end of the game when those possessions start to really, really matter. So for Tari Eason, it's going to be really important for him to learn and understand to, again, maybe not take plays off, right, but to pick and choose the moments where (laughs) – I hate this comparison, right? But to pick and choose the moments where he's got his right trigger held down, right? Like, you're playing 2K, you can't just run around with the right trigger held all the time, right? You're going to gas your player, and then he's going to be useless, right? You're going to run out of that energy, that boost. So, for Tari, it's going to be important for him to learn when to have that right trigger held down and when not to, right? When to take some plays and be a little bit more chill versus when to really lock in and let that energy out to impact the flow of the game, be it on offense or defense, right? Because he's the guy, kind of guy that can do it on both ends of the floor and so in this one I did feel like if he had you know if the energy expenditure had been a little bit different maybe some of those uh bunny layups that got missed would have been put back dunks or just straight up posters you know that kind of thing over the course of this game but that's it for for Tari East and another still another very solid performance from him still very active defensively in this game had the three steals had the two blocks on an individual basis I think that when you look at comparatively Tari and Jabari and how they impact the game, I think that Tari right now is, you know, defensively, he makes he makes a difference from like a, an individual one-on-one defensive perspective, right? You put him on somebody, he's going to be able to clamp them up one-on-one and cause a lot of havoc. And he's got those reads, right, where he's kind of in the passing lanes and he's able to, you know, take some gambles like he did right there at the beginning, right there at halftime where he got the tip and got out in transition, I think that Jabari is a different type of defender where he's still able to kind of impact the game on a one, you know, one on one perspective, you know, doesn't matter who he's locking up. Right. The length is going to is going to matter. But from a team perspective, he also impacts the defense just from an intimidation perspective. And I don't think Tari's got the intimidation factor in his defensive game. Right. Like whereas you look at Jabari and he's going to you know, just his intimidation factor is going to impact the game a la a Rudy Gobert type where people are going to be a little bit more worried about driving into the paint when Jabari's down there lurking, right? Kind of his presence in the, in the painted area. But that's not, that's not necessarily a knock on Tari. It's just kind of highlighting the differences in how they impact the game defensively, at least to this point so far, what it looks like through four summer league games. But Coming up, I do want to talk about Tyty Ty Washington. I want to talk about Dacian Nix a little bit, the guard play in this Rockets game, as well as the just ridiculous announcing, all that coming up in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's talk a little Tyty Ty Washington here at the front of this segment. Finish the game, eight points Two of eight shooting, two of five from long distance, two of four at the charity stripe. Had six rebounds, six assists, four steals, and a block, and just two turnovers in this game. I liked what we saw out of Ty, Ty Washington in this one because even though he, you know, the the offensive numbers, the buckets, don't jump out of the page at you, he was doing a great job facilitating, especially in transition. And I think that's that's kind of my favorite thing so far about his game. He probably has the best transition court vision on the team, right? And and I think he's even maybe got Dacian Nix beat in that regard. Dacian Nix, I feel like, operates better in the half court as a point guard, whereas Ty when he gets the ball, and especially if he gets the rebound and he starts pushing it in transition, he has done a great job at finding guys in transition for those easy opportunities. He's found Jabari, he's found Tari, he's found Trey Mitchell. Like, him getting out in transition, he knows how to push the basketball. And and to their credit, his wings, right? The guys that I just listed off, right? Jabari, Trey, Tari, they do a great job of filling those lanes in transition and creating those windows, right? Opening up the seams in the defense so that even if it's a a you know, a three on two fast break or a two on one fast break, being in the right spot and filling those gaps to create that passing window for Ty to hit them in transition, right? He had the one. That I, I actually don't know if he was credited for an assist on this one. I don't think that he was. I, I need to go back and look over the box score, but I'm not going to do it mid-podcast. But he had the one, right, where where Tari had the tip. Or I apologize, not Tari had the tip. Um, different play. Sorry, confused there. Um, he and Jabari were were guarding on the wing, and they had, like, an action where they kind of switched, I think, back and forth a couple times. And then eventually Blazers tried to drive the ball in on Ty Ty Washington, and he got the poke check on the basketball, got out in transition, had a blazer on his back getting ready to block the shot that he was going to take at the rim. And so all he did is he just, you know, turn on the jets, got the ball up off the glass, and Tari cleaned it up for him behind it. I don't think that was a shot, right? Like, I'm pretty sure Tai Tai lobbed that off the glass knowing that he had Tari behind him or knowing that he had somebody behind him. But he's also not a veteran player, so he doesn't know to do the veteran move of, like, throw the hand up. Like, that was an assist. Give me my assist, right? Like, you know, I, I would have, you know, next dead ball, Tai should have been over at the scorer's table. Like, hey, you guys got me that assist, right? That was that was a pass, not a shot. <laughs> so with Taitai, I loved his impact in this game. Again, in transition, facilitating the basketball. He had a couple times in the half court. He had the one where he kicked it off to the wing, and Dasha Nick's just you know, drained a three-pointer immediately. And then the fact that he was rebounding the basketball and then causing enough havoc on defense, right, creating those uh, those turnovers, forcing, you know, those transition opportunities where you get a steal and you can get out in transition to get those easy buckets. You love to see that from Ty Ty Washington. I feel like, you know, offensively, would have liked to maybe see a little bit more out of him, uh, you know, maybe see him make some of those, uh, some of those, two-point attempts that he that he had in this game. He had a floater that he missed, which I think is the first floater that I've seen him miss like all summer league. And for the most part, though, it felt like his game was kind of, offensively, it felt like his game was confined to just being a three-point shooter in this game. Again, he only had eight offensive attempts or eight shot attempts in this game, and five of them were from long range. So he missed all three of his attempts inside the arc. Hopefully, we see that get a little bit better. Again, he's got the floater game on lock. I want to see him you know, actually get all the way to the rim though and, and finish, right? Attack off the catch and get all the way in there and finish right at the rim rather than having to exclusively rely on the floater. But the floater game is solid right now. So if that's his bread and butter, let him keep doing it, right? I don't want to change what's working for him. At least not, not yet, not right now, but a solid overall game from Ty Tai Washington. And then Dasha Nix, last guy here that I want to talk about uh, at least extensively. And that is, oh, pardon me. And that's uh, because he had, I mean, you know, 15 points, four of 11 shooting on the night, two of four from long range, five of 10 at the charity stripe. We'll talk about that in a second. Three rebounds, three assists, two steals, three blocks. Dasha Nix filling up the stat line, right? Only one turnover in this game. It, it, I, Without Josh Christopher out there, right? Like I would have expected a little bit more from Dasha Nix I do think that it's tough to, right? It's tough to look at Dacian Nixon and say that he didn't do a good job of setting up teammates in this game, when the fact is his teammates weren't hitting shots in this game, right? Again, 18% from three is a little tough to stomach. The Rockets had plenty of opportunities where they had shots generated and created within their offense, and they just weren't hitting. So I don't want to, like, I don't want to blame Dacian for that. Although, you know, in this one, it did kind of feel like he was being a little bit more, being a little bit more aggressive, trying to get. You know, especially his shots get to the rim, create opportunities to get to the free throw line, which he did. And then he didn't convert. Right. I think the free throw shooting is almost becoming Christian Wood esque with Dacian Nix. Right. Five of 10 from the free throw line is unacceptable. Right. That is that is bad free throw shooting. And that absolutely has to improve, especially if you're Dacian Nix, who, again, He's at his best when he is driving in and being aggressive and forcing the issue, right? Forcing the defense to make a decision and then using his court vision to get the ball back out to the open the open man in the offense. If he's getting fouled, though, and getting sent to the free throw line and he's only making one out of two every time, that's a win for the defense. So, you know, I don't know if it's a mental thing with Dacian. We saw him miss those four free throws, I believe, in the second summer league game, like missed four free throws in a row. Whether that was the first or second game, I'm I'm I could be misremembering, but he had that stretch right where he missed four free throws. Direct, I think that was actually the first summer league game against the Magic, right? Because shout out to Nick Anderson. Um, but uh, four free throws in a row, Magic, all that. But you know that is that is a concern with Dacian, right? Is if he is going to be that aggressive force offensively and trying to drive the basketball in, he's got to be able to convert on those free throws when he gets to the free throw line. Again, he hung five points on the free throw line. That could be could have potentially been the difference in this game right when you lose a game by eight points and you are missing five points at the charity stripe that you've just gifted the other team then that is a bit of a concern and an area that he absolutely has to work on and focus on moving forward but rest of his game I liked the defense that he played I liked how active he was with his hands again this Rockets team has done a fantastic job throughout summer league of forcing turnovers from the other team and getting out in transition I do think that defensively though this Rockets team gave up a lot especially to Keon Johnson who was just absolutely cooking the Rockets in this game finished with 25 points 8 of 13 shooting 4 of 8 from long range 5 of 6 at the charity stripe you know Keon Johnson was on another level in this game. I was actually texting um, somebody who covers the Blazers and he was like, yo, Keon Johnson is buns. So like if Keon Johnson's cooking you in summer league, then like something's wrong. So the Rockets should not have let Keon Johnson go off this game. Unfortunately they did. It resulted in a loss and final thought here on this one. What was that announcing? That announcing crew Stephanie ready is usually pretty solid actually in the times that I've heard her announcing games before but Sam Mitchell was atrocious like at one point I was just like I was kind of enjoying it like oh, okay like Sam Mitchell he's just you know being a little senile and he's having fun you know he's not really paying attention to the game let him you know let him say whatever he wants to say and then at one point he started talking about the fact that he goes the one thing I would not let Jabari Smith Jr do is I would not let him fall in love with that three point shot right you can't let him fall in love with the three ball not this early in his career and I was like what are we even talking about here and then at one point they went off on our tangent talking about hummus and they brought Stephen Silas on and it was you know a very dry sideline interview because they just like the questions were not great like I was it was it was just bad top to bottom it was not a great experience for the viewers and you know not only or not only does g-league start shutting down or not g-league i apologize not only do teams usually start shutting down their star summer league prospects at this point you know four games in but clearly they start transitioning away from the the prime broadcasting candidates right in in you know mark jones and uh Uh, Mark Jones and Doris Burke, but they start getting into the, the B and C and D list tier broadcasters. And it's not a great overall experience, unfortunately. So shout out to, the broadcasting team who gave us an oh-so-special experience. Uh, hopefully, we don't get them again Saturday when the Rockets play their final game. It'll be Saturday, 8 p.m. Central Time against the Sacramento Kings. Hopefully, the Rockets don't shut down any of their players, and hopefully, the Kings keep Keegan at Murray active. That should be a very fun game if everybody is available. But with that, those are final thoughts from this fourth and fourth of five summer league games for the Houston Rockets. As always, appreciate you for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe. Remember the mantra for the house, for the team, for the algorithm. The, The comments help incredibly. Go comment on the YouTube show. With that, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.